This morning, what we're doing, just to kind of orient us a little bit about what our trajectory is, uh, this is kind of the third week of kind of orienting us in the book of Proverbs. You might wonder, why do we need three whole weeks on introductory uh, kind of remarks on Proverbs? And, it, and the reason is this, Proverbs is unlike any other book that you will study. And so it, it takes some orienting. Uh, it, it takes some kind of introduction to kind of figure out what are we after here. And so um, what we're doing today is we're going to kind of look at one last way of thinking about the book of Proverbs. We've looked at wisdom for the last two weeks. Uh, this morning we're going to look at uh, different kind of character types that we will meet throughout the Proverbs. And, and we'll get to that in a second. Let me pray for us and uh, we're going to dive right in. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for this amazing book, a book that, um, ironically, uh, sometimes gets neglected uh, in our study, uh, so often because perhaps it's unfamiliar, it seems foreign to us, it seems pithy, perhaps, and so God, I pray that as we dive uh, right into the book of Proverbs, that we would see it is your wisdom for us this morning. And that your wisdom is nothing less than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is a call to repentance, a call to walk in newness of life, a call to be radically different in the way that we live and the way that we pursue you uh, every single day of our lives. And so, God, we pray, be with us now. Help us to study well. Uh, Help us to put ourselves in the midst of this book, in the midst of your wisdom. And, Father, we do pray that you would enable us to repent to turn from our own understanding, and to hear your voice this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you look down at your sheet uh, or grab a Bible, we're going to be bouncing around a little bit, and that'll be kind of our custom from here on out. We're going to be bouncing around the book of Proverbs, so I do encourage you to bring a Bible, uh, bring an iPad, bring an iPhone with a Bible app on it, something that you can kind of bounce around. We're going to spend most of our time this morning in two Proverbs, Proverbs 1 and Proverbs 10. But I actually want to start in the New Testament. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8. As I said before, sometimes the book of Proverbs gets neglected because it seems so foreign to us. And what we're going to look at this morning as well might be kind of different. And I want to give you a New Testament example of what we're talking about before we dive into Proverbs. This is Luke 8. And this is Jesus. Jesus is telling a parable and perhaps... You've heard this parable before. It is the parable about parables, the parable of the sower. And Jesus, in Luke 8, verse 4, says, A great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to Jesus, and Jesus spoke to them in a parable. And here's the parable. Jesus says, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it, and it choked it. Some fell into the good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And in Jesus' kind of tradition, what he did as he spoke and preached on the kingdom of God as he would speak in these parables on the kingdom. And then he would say, he who has ears to hear, let them hear. And of course, people say, well, I I hear you, but I don't understand. I don't understand what you're trying to talk about, Jesus. And that was no different for his own disciples. 
Uh, and in this moment, they hear him do the parable of the sower. And they say, Jesus, what was that? What are you trying to teach us? What is this wisdom that you have for us? Uh, great teacher, great rabbi. And Jesus explains this parable, and it becomes a parable about parables, right? A parable about what is this all about? And he explains that each of these soils is actually a different type of person. And there are three different caricatures, three different portraits of people who cannot receive the word of God, that though the word of God comes to them, they do not have the ears to hear it. Whether it's the cares of this world that they begin to follow after, whether it's their own doubts, whether it's their sin, whatever it is, they are different types of soil, a different type of person. There is really only one out of the four. One type of soil that has the ability, one type of person has the ability to actually receive the word of God, to receive the gospel. This morning, we're going to look at four different types of people in Proverbs. Four different types of people in the book of Proverbs. They're portraits, caricatures. And these characters we're going to come across time and time again throughout the book. And so it's important for us, before we dive into the rest, as we look at money and relationships uh, and work, that we, we understand that as we come across these characters, we know what they're about and what they are for us. They serve as warnings, three of them as warnings, three different types of people for us this morning, as we think about ourselves as men, three different types of men who are not wise, who lack wisdom in different ways, who do not have the ability to walk in wisdom or to walk in godliness. There is only one one type of person that the Proverbs puts forward for us who has that ability at all. And this morning, what I want you to see is this. Wisdom, we've, we've defined it lots of ways, uh, both uh, in this study and on Sunday morning. But wisdom, uh, wisdom, if it is uh, the art of godly living, if it is literally godliness, I, I defined it this way, it is the ability, grace-given ability, to both know and live the full character of God. If that is what wisdom is, then what wisdom means for us this morning is that we must repent. We must turn from our own understanding of the world, and we must hear the voice of the Lord this morning. We must hear His wisdom. We must repent and turn towards Him. So only in hearing His voice, only in knowing His Word, Jesus Christ, will we be able to actually walk in wisdom to walk in godliness. All right, so three different characters this morning, three warnings, and it's a bit like if you've ever read Pilgrim's Progress. Three different types of people that we're going to come across. And the first is this, the simple, the simple, the simple person. And we see this, if you look with me, you can look on your sheet or in Proverbs 1. Proverbs 1. I'll begin in verse 20. And we'll look at three different types of people who do not have wisdom. <clears throat> Proverbs 1, verse 20. Wisdom. So this, again, is wisdom personified. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice at the head of a noisy street. She cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you, and I will make my words 
known to you. First, three types of people who do not have wisdom, who do not hear the voice of the Lord. And the first is the simple. The second we will look at is the fool. And the third that we'll look at is the scoffer. The first is the simple. The simple, if you look with me, verse 22, wisdom cries out, right? Speaks to us, says, how long? How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? Now, this word simple doesn't mean just intellectually deficient. Uh, This isn't someone who just doesn't have the smarts, doesn't have the intelligence. The, The word simple here is kind of a word for naive, a word for ignorant. And we see this word used time and time again throughout the Proverbs. Uh, this is a type of person who is kind of non-committal. Uh, you could think of it this way. If you've ever uh, studied or thought about philosophy and the word agnostic, agnosticism. An agnostic is someone who is non-committal in their beliefs. Someone who says, well, I can't say that God exists, but I'm not going to say he doesn't exist. Now, what I want to tell you this morning, that agnostic has thought too much about, about it than the simple. The simple hasn't thought that much about it. The simple is functionally agnostic. In other words, they're just going through their life. They're not going to think much about it. They're just going to look at kind of their circumstances and everything around them, and they're going to be non-committal. Non-committal in their beliefs, non-committal in the way that they live. They're just going to bounce from thing to thing to thing. And the warning that the Proverbs will have for us this morning is that if this describes you this morning, you are easily succumb to temptation because you're going to bounce from thing to thing to thing. When things are good for you, when work is going well, when relationships are going well, you're going to kind of bounce toward that direction. As things become difficult, you're going to bounce in the opposite direction, become frantic, The way that James describes, if you've been with us in our James study, tossed to and fro by every thing that comes in our path. And so I want to give you a few, you can write these down if you want to look at them later. There's much more than this. I've just selected a few Proverbs for each of these. Uh, We could be here all day, (laughs) just quoting different ones. Uh, But this is the simple, Proverbs 7, 7. I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the use. A young man lacking sense. So this is someone who lacks sense. Lacks the sense to actually be committed to what they believe. And perhaps they don't know what they believe. But I think part of the warning here for us this morning is that you might think you know what you believe. But you're not living that way. You're not living that way. Your beliefs have not lined up with your actions. You are not being consistent. You're being too simple in the way that you approach the world. Proverbs 14, verse 15. The simple, this is a great definition, the simple believes everything. It's that naivety, the almost gullible. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. So again, this is why the simple is succumbed to temptation. The simple believes everything. Uh, Sure, I'll believe this about God and what he says, but I'm also going to believe this about the world. Sure, I'm going to believe that God uh, loves me, that he cares for me, and that he wants what's best for me, but I'm also going to believe that the best thing I could possibly do is to pursue my own interests. The simple believes everything. They are noncommittal. And then lastly, Proverbs 22.3. Again, Proverbs 22.3. And this is a warning for us this morning. The prudent sees danger and hides himself, but the simple go on 
and suffer for it. So the wise person has the ability in their godliness to see what is right and what is wrong, to see danger coming, and to turn away. The simple just goes right into it. Why? Because they believe everything. They believe everything. And so this morning, if you're still trying to grasp, what is, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, Paul, what, what is the simple? What does that look like in our world today? Many of you have heard me talk about the nuns, not nuns as in like the habit or the Catholic version, but N-O-N-E, the nuns, and it's a phenomenon that's been studied uh, a lot over the last decade, the rise of those who would check none on a box of here's the religions that you might be, uh, that we have seen uh, an unprecedented rise in, in our country of those who are not checking anything, right? They're not Christian, they're not atheist, they're not any, they're just checking none. None of the above. And over the last decade, many statisticians and researchers have sounded the alarm and said, look, our country is changing, and perhaps you have felt this before. Christianity seems to be dying in our country. But what I have seen and what others have seen is something a bit different. That What we are seeing as people are checking the nuns is that those who used to be what I would call the simple who aligned themselves with Christianity, but did so more so because, well, they were simple. It's how I grew up, right? It's what I've always known. It's the way my parents raised me. I'm going to be simple, pragmatic about this. It's what our culture does. And so as the simple person, I'm going to check Christian, because isn't that what it means to be American? Well, today in our country, that's changing, isn't it? No longer is it popular to be Christian. No longer is it culturally expedient to be Christian. And so what I believe is we are not seeing a drop in Christianity. In fact, what we're seeing is that those who are truly Christian the whole time, those who are truly committed to their faith, that that group of people in our country is actually rising. But it's a smaller number. right? It's probably only a quarter of the people in our country. It's a smaller number. But those who used to be what I would call simple, simpler in their thinking about Christ, naive, believing everything, both what the world has to tell us, but also what the Bible has to tell us, those people are beginning to fall away. It's a warning for us this morning that Proverbs has. A warning that we see in 1 Kings, one of my favorite passages in the Bible one of my favorite stories, it's a story about Elijah. Now, if you know this story, you know Elijah is the last prophet left. <laughs> so in other words, uh, what we're experiencing today has happened over and over and over again throughout biblical history. There aren't any other people believing in God. Can you imagine that? <clears throat> there aren't any, there's no one else. There is no other prophets who are speaking on God's behalf, and the people of Israel have, are now beginning to follow the prophets of Baal. They're they're following a different God. (laughs) We could say that they had become simple in their thinking, right? They'd become naive. The yes were following God because that's how they were raised. They were raised in the ways of Yahweh, but they also allowed the cultural gods to creep into their thinking. And so Elijah First uh, Kings 18 comes to Mount Carmel in verse 21. It says he came near to all the people and said this: How long will you go on limping between two opinions? 
That's the warning for us this morning. For those of us who are simple, how long will you go on limping between two opinions? And Elijah says, if God is God, follow Him. If Baal is God, then follow Him. In other words, there isn't two, there's one. And so let's prove it right now. And if you know the story, he does. He calls on God to come down in fire. And God comes down and destroys the prophets of Baal. The simple is the one who believes everything, who limps between two opinions, what the Bible has to say, what the world has to say. But the simple is not beyond repentance. The simple is not beyond repentance. Proverbs 9, 4. You can write that down. Proverbs 9, 4. Wisdom calls out to the simple. And this is what she says. She says, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Notice that language of turning, the language of repentance. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To whoever lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread. Drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave, leave your simple ways and live. Walk in the way of insight. I love that. Leave your simple ways and live. The simple is not truly living. They're not truly living for the King of Kings. And so wisdom calls out to you, repent. Repent. Do not go on and limp between two opinions. Repent. Turn and leave your simple ways and truly live. Perhaps if you're still thinking, okay, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around this, I'll give you one more biblical example. And it's used throughout the entire Bible. And it's this. We're sheep, aren't we? We're sheep. And the Bible very purposely describes us as sheep. Sheep who just go along with the crowd, right? With the flock. Sheep who don't really give thought to what we're doing or why we're doing it. Right? Sheep who don't have a deep belief system that intrinsically causes them to do something different, who would be willing to say, no, the grass is over there. I know you're all going this way, but I'm going to go this way. No, sheep that just go along with the flock. And so there's a reason why we're called sheep. Because we have a tendency, right, to believe everything. We're gullible, we're naive. And 1 Peter 2, 25 says, You were straying like sheep, but you have now returned. Again, the language of repentance. You've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's the simple, the first warning. The second warning, the second portrait, the second character that Proverbs presents to us is the fool. So first you have the simple. Second, you have the fool. Again, Proverbs 1, verse 22 Wisdom asks, how long will fools hate knowledge? How long will fools hate knowledge? And the Proverbs actually uses three different Hebrew words for fool. But they all essentially mean the same kind of thing. This is someone who is foolish, not intellectually. Right? This isn't someone who's foolish intellectually. This is someone who's foolish morally. Foolish morally. So you think, okay, how does that work? Well, if you, if you've ever done something... Have you ever done something that you looked back and said, man, that was really stupid? Think back, maybe it's college. You did a lot of stupid things when you were in college. You know, not, not like on a test where you fail, but like you, you just did some dumb things. Maybe it was last week. <laughs> and you look back and think, man, that was, that was dumb. That was foolish. That's what the proverb is taught. This is not something that 
you would look back and say, wow, I, didn't, I just didn't know enough. This is something you look back and say, I kind of knew better. I knew better. I knew the right things, but I just I didn't care. And I did this anyways. For those of you who are parents, this is the kind of thing where you look at your kids and you say, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You know better. Why are you being so foolish? That's how God is looking at us, saying, I've given you the word. I've given you my law. You know better. What are you doing? Why are you being so foolish? Uh, A few Proverbs for you this morning uh, that presents this to us. The first is the scariest, I think. This Proverbs, this haunts me. Proverbs 14, 12. Write this one down if you write any of them down. A great warning. 14, 12. There is a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is death. There's a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is death. This is what is so scary about the fool. The fool, it's not that they just didn't know better, they believed everything, it's that they kind of knew better, but they chose something different anyways, because they thought that it seemed right to them. And Proverbs tells us that ends in death. That if you looked at that man and said, saw all that they were choosing to do, and you'd say, what? You're being a fool. You're being a fool. You're being a fool. You're denying what true wisdom is. Proverbs 15, verse 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouths of fools feed on folly. Right? This is, uh, the fool doesn't just do foolish things or choose foolish things, but they feed on it. They choose this path. They like it. They would rather go this way, right? It seems right to them. Proverbs 18.2. Proverbs 18.2. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. So here's the thing about the fool, because deep down they might know that what they're doing is wrong, what do they do? They've got to justify it. Best way to justify it is what? Get other peoples to come along. Hey, come do this with me, right? We, we, we saw this as grade school kids, right? <laughs> Someone who is choosing the wrong path and their safety in numbers, maybe, they think. And so they try to get others to go along with them. But we see this now as adults all the time, where men will do something that they know to be wrong, and they justify it by trying to get others to go along with them, right? They are expressing their opinion all the time on what they're doing. Why? trying to justify it. They're trying to justify it. Proverbs 14, 9. Proverbs 14, 9. This one is a, a strong warning for us as well. Fools mock at the guilt offering. Right? They mock at sacrifice. They mock at sacrifice. They mock at the guilt offering, but the upright enjoy acceptance. The fool hates knowledge. The fool hates wisdom. Why? Because it's going to tell him to live in a different way than he would rather. The fool is not foolish mentally, right? Foolish intellectually. Perhaps the foolish even knows better. The fool is foolish morally. And we see this kind of fool, this character, built upon in the New Testament as well. Romans 1. You don't have to turn there. You can if you want to. Romans 1, 21, describes the fool this way. Although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him. 
but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. Right? In their foolishness, they claimed to be wise. And so what did God do? What did they do? Well, they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds and animals and creeping things. They knew better, but they claimed to be wise, and they became fools. The New Testament also gives a picture of the fool, I believe, in a parable, another parable, the parable of the two sons. If you think about the prodigal son, what does the prodigal son do? Well, the prodigal son asks for his inheritance now, and he goes and he spends it on foolish living, reckless living, kid who knew better, who was raised the right way. His older brother was raised the same way. But a kid who went and foolishly wasted his inheritance on everything that this world has to offer. Well, this morning there's good news if you identify with the fool. And just like the simple, the fool, wisdom's coming. It's calling out to you and saying, repent. Proverbs 1, 7 the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the knowledge. We looked at this last week. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Repent, Proverbs is saying to the fool. Fear the Lord. Fear the Lord. Repent from your foolish ways, your foolish actions. Because when the prodigal son began to fear the Lord, right? He had to hit rock bottom first. And typically, that's the way it goes for the fool. <laughs> it's not until they hit rock bottom, they begin to see the error of their foolish ways. And the prodigal son, what does he do? He runs back. And he doesn't tell his dad, first, I sinned against you. What does he say? I sinned against heaven. I fear the Lord now. I sinned against heaven. I sinned against you. And of course, his dad receives him with open arms and throws a party. A celebration. A celebration. So there's the simple and there's the fool. Lastly, the last character that Proverbs presents to us this morning as a warning is the scoffer. And I'll warn you, where there is repentance for the first two, the simple and the fool, the scoffer, the scoffer is in a much more dangerous spiritual place. Proverbs 1.22, how long will scoffers delight in their scoffing? I'm going to give you just a few, again, four different Proverbs here present the scoffer to us, and we'll see him time and time again. The scoffer's a mocker. It's not that he believes everything and limps between two opinions. It's not that he knows better and does something foolish. The scoffer mocks the very wisdom of God. He hates it. He hates it. He calls it out. He makes fun of it. He scoffs at it. There's only one type of person who will hear the word of God, receive it, and then spit it back right in his face. And that's a man who's prideful. A man who's prideful has the pride to actually hear the voice of God and mock it. And that's the scoffer for us. Proverbs 13, 1. Proverbs 13, 1. A wise son hears his father's instruction but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. 
the scoffer describes you, and I pray it doesn't. If it does, I pray that the Holy Spirit would grab a hold of your heart this morning. But the scoffer is the one who would hear me speaking these words out of the Bible, who hears the voice of God and says, I don't care. I don't care. And I'm going to mock it. Right? It's the one who does not listen to his father's instruction. Proverbs 15, 12, a scoffer does not like to be reproved. Why? He's prideful. <laughs> he doesn't like rebuke. He's right in his own way. He doesn't want to listen to anybody or anything. Proverbs 21, 24, this is your great definition. If you write down any of them, write down this one. Proverbs 21, 24, I mean, truly a definition of the scoffer. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant the haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. The arrogant. So again, if you were here on Sunday, I I quoted Jonathan Edwards, who said that pride was the worst of all sins. Right? It's the first sin in the garden, the belief that uh, God cannot be trusted, we must trust ourselves. Edwards says it's the last sin to be rooted out, it's kind of the root of all of our sin, pride. This thing that makes us believe that God and what He says cannot be trusted and we must go our own way. That's the scoffer. That's where pride gets you. It makes you a mocker of the things of God. It makes you scoff at His word for you. Proverbs 26.12 says it this way, and here's the warning. Do you see a man that is wise in his own eyes? That's the scoffer. A man who's wise in his own eyes. But I want you to listen to what it says next. There is more hope for a fool than for him. That's the warning. For a man who's a scoffer, who is wise in his own eyes, who hears the voice of God and completely rejects it, who hears the wisdom of God and says, I don't care. The Proverbs, Proverbs 26, 12 says, there's more hope for a fool than for him. All right, so what do we do with these three? The simple, the fool, and the scoffer. What do we do with these three? Well, Proverbs, uh, on your sheet, or if you want to, in your Bible, Proverbs 1 gives a judgment. Proverbs 1 gives a judgment on these three, the scoffer, the fool, and the wise. And this is the judgment, verse 24. Because I've called and you refuse to listen, I've stretched out my hand and no one has heeded. Because you've ignored all my counsel and have none of my reproof, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge, they did not choose the fear of the Lord would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their way, and they shall have the fill of their own devices. It's much like Romans 1, if you're familiar with that passage we read. When they exchange the glory of God for a lie, right? When their hearts were given to foolishness, God did what? He gave them up to their own desires. Here's the judgment for the simple, the fool, and the scoffer that God would just give it over to us. Allow our own simplicity of thought, 
our own foolish actions and our own mocking to eventually completely overtake us. And so this morning, Proverbs 1 doesn't just have a judgment and a warning, but it also has a call to repentance, an offering of the gospel. Right here in the Old Testament, look with me, Proverbs 1.20. I've already read it once, so maybe you noticed it. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice. This idea of wisdom being personified in the Old Testament leads many to believe, and I believe it's true, that who would the personification of wisdom be perhaps in the New Testament for us? Who do you think? Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, and who has He given us? To be our wisdom in every situation, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit cries to us this morning, right? Cries to us in the street, says, listen. Listen to the word that I have for you. Verse 23, if you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my Spirit upon you. Hear the voice of the Lord this morning, men. The Holy Spirit calling you to repent, to turn from your foolishness, your simplicity, and your mockery, and turn towards the voice of our God, the voice of our God who has given to us the gospel, the gospel of grace, that He might pour His Spirit of wisdom upon us. And so where I want you to go this morning in your groups, Proverbs 10. This is one of your questions. What are the characteristics of the fourth and final character that the Proverbs give us? Well, that character is the wise. The portrait of the wise. The portrait of the wise person. But what we'll find is the portrait of the wise person has many different characteristics. But they all flow from the same thing. And Proverbs uh, 10, the first five or six verses, gives us many of these characteristics. And I'll just quickly name a few of them. I want you to do this together as a group. But they're righteous, they're wise, they're diligent, they're prudent. They have wise of heart. Out of their mouth flows a fountain of life. They're filled with love. And much like the fruit of the Spirit, those who are wise and hear the voice of the Lord, who've had the Spirit of God pour upon them, they'll begin to bear these characteristics. And so the question for us this morning is, how do we cultivate wisdom? Now that we've heard the warning, what does a life of continual repentance look like? So I'll end with this and send you to your groups. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Proverbs 3, verse 5. What does it look like? I believe this is what it looks like. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. To be wise, you must trust in God. Trust in His, Lord, trust in His Word. Ultimately, that's what it goes back all the way to Genesis, right? To trust in His Word. And lean not on your own understanding. Right, the error of the scoffer, that he was wise in his own understanding. In all your ways, everything that you do, every action, every decision you make, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. You're not going to make your own path straight. He will do it for you. He will straighten your crooked path. Verse 7, be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord. Remember the beginning of wisdom, what is the fear of the Lord? And turn away from evil. And then verse 8, the good news for us this morning. 
It will be healing to your flesh. Wisdom will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. This morning, the gospel of grace is calling out to you, you who might be foolish or simple, you who might might a mockery. And really, all of us have each one of these three characters in us. The gospel of grace is calling out to us, turn, repent, hear the voice of wisdom, the voice of our God, and allow it to be refreshment to your flesh, healing to your flesh, that you would begin to cultivate wisdom in your hearts and begin to become godly, to live a life of continual repentance, turning away from your own knowledge and understanding and towards the wisdom of God. Let me pray for you and send you to your groups. Father, we thank you for your Proverbs. Thank you for the wisdom that it has for us. And we pray that we would hear these three warnings. These three warnings, we recognize if each of us stops and thinks about this long enough that we've probably been all three of these at some point in our life. And perhaps one of these three even describes us today. And so, God, we pray that we would hear the voice of wisdom crying out to us in the street, calling us to turn from our own understanding and turn and to hear your voice, to hear that what you have done for us, that you have made a way in your death and resurrection, your son Jesus became wisdom for us and has given us your very wisdom in the person of the Holy Spirit. May we learn to cultivate wisdom daily through daily repentance through trusting you, Father, that we would not lean on our own understanding, but that we would follow your wisdom all the days of our life. We ask in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.